Welcome back to the City Rev Life podcast. Joining today is Pastor Justin and myself, Pastor Josh. Uh, we're back again for a second episode on baptism, and we're going to cover a what I believe to be a commonly asked question. Yeah, we I get it. We get it all the time. We do. We field it all the time, um, and it really is a great question and yes. one that I think we can look to the scriptures to find a fantastic answer. Um, we talked a lot about the significance of baptism mm-hmm. and the beauty of it. And so answering this question is going to require us to dive a little bit deeper, which only furthers the beauty and significance of the bapt- of baptism for what it is. Right. And that question that we're, com- we're constantly getting is, hey, I was baptized as an infant. Mm-hmm. You know, my, my parents brought me to a specific church background that they were a part of, and that was what they did. And so they dipped me in the water or they sprinkled me. Um, and so I, in my mind, have always thought I was baptized already. Sure. I'm coming to maybe a Christian church and uh, a specific denomination that preaches, hey, baptism, we, we would preach it a little bit differently. And so now you're like, should I get baptized again? You know, now that I'm older and yeah. I have actually made that decision to follow Jesus personally myself. Yeah. And so, like, is that something I can do again? Like, yeah. is it a one and done type thing? Is it, yes. you know, if you do twice, is it cancel it out? Like, because I definitely don't want that to happen. Yep. And so, what would you say to that, Justin? What would your, be your answer to that? Yeah. So, I would, and I'd also imagine there are probably people listening to this or watching this who maybe you had a conversation with a ministry leader or a pastor and you are talking about baptism and they encourage you to listen to this mm. because it kind of helped start a conversation. Yeah. And in the last episode, we set baptism in the context of doctrines uh, that we hold to. And there are things that are primary and essential that this is the dividing line for what it means to be a Christian. Things mm. like uh, the scripture is God's word. It is our final authority. Uh, things like... Uh, Salvation is in Christ alone. It's by grace through faith, right? This is how we are saved and brought into the family of God. Mm-hmm. There are things that are essential. Then there are secondary things that are also important. They're, they matter, um, but they're not the dividing line between someone who's not a Christian and is a Christian. There are sure. Christians who hold to these different views. And baptism is one of those secondary uh, tier doctrines. Again, it's not that it's not important. It, it just means that there are Christians who love Jesus, love the Bible, come to the Scripture, mm-hmm. and come to different conclusions about what baptism is for and what its, what its significance is. And so, yeah, last episode we talked about Romans 6, largely about the symbol of baptism as this burial and resurrection image of our new creation and union with Christ. And what's helpful, I think, to answer this question is to maybe what I what I'd like to do is give a little bit of an overview, uh, hit on a couple of the different common views we interact with. At least here in South Florida, um, there are more than what we'll share here in this moment. Hmm. But some of the common ones that people backgrounds that people come from here and they come to our church and they're asking these questions. And then I want to kind of make the case for where we come from biblically and why we have convictions about baptism that we hold to dearly, um, even as we uh, love and this, you know, care for our brothers right. and sisters who have a different view. To share our stance and why we believe in that stance. Yes. And that, I think it's great that you're reminding us of all that, 
that it's it's a secondary doctrine. Yeah, we value it. We find it very important. It's important to us, um, but it's not a matter of the gospel. Yeah, it's not Jesus's death and resurrection. Correct. Um, so it is secondary to the gospel. Yes, that's, that's fantastic. Yeah. So let's give a little bit of an overview. Um, especially in South Florida, there's a lot of you know diversity from Latin America. Um, my, my family uh, is Cuban on both sides. We have many um, people who are part of our church family who come from Brazil, from uh, Puerto Rico, from Venezuela. So we've got people from all over, and one of the predominant faith traditions in many of those places is Catholicism. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we'll have people who come to our church and maybe grew up in the Catholic church, were baptized as an infant, uh, went through confirmation, first communion, mm-hmm. uh, that whole process. And at least many of the stories, this is anecdotal. So this is just, you know, us sharing kind of our experience here. Mm-hmm. Many people come later on in life who have, who had left the church, um, kind of either were disillusioned or felt like they just didn't find any value in it. And the common thing we hear often is it's like, for the first time, I feel like I'm learning the Bible Mm. and they hear the gospel proclaimed and their faith becomes their own and they commit their lives to Christ. Mm. And, uh, they, they're people who are awakened. They, God's spirit comes into their lives and starts changing and transforming them. And they come from a, a Catholic background where they were baptized as an infant. And that Catholic view, uh, the traditional Catholic view is that baptism is a means of saving grace being given or conferred to an infant, to a person, um, when, you know, their parents bringing them to the priest. Uh, and that, that image of, it would be sprinkling of water being sprinkled upon them is an image of God's saving grace being conferred to them. It's a one-time thing. So there are some sacraments in the Catholic Church mm-hmm. that are repeated, like the Mass, like uh, the Eucharist, mm-hmm. that you do regularly all the time, uh, or confession, for example. Yeah, communion, confession, yeah. But uh, baptism is a one-time, uh, a one-time thing that's to be administered to infants. And um, so that that's where some people are coming from, from that view of baptism. Mm. In a moment, I'm going to share kind of where we come from and why we would disagree with that view and interpretation of baptism. Second is um, uh, the Presbyterian Reformed view of baptism uh, that holds to baptism is not a means of saving grace. It's not as if in the act of baptism, God's grace is being conferred to you in a way that's unique to baptism. Mm -hmm. The Presbyterian view is more that baptism is a sign of the new covenant. So in the Old Testament, you've got circumcision. Mm -hmm. Uh, Famously, God gives to Abraham and his descendants that as a sign of them as his covenant people. And, uh, And Presbyterians would say, look, circumcision is administered to children. Specifically to the men on the you know the eighth day the that boys are born, mm-hmm. they're to be circumcised, and in the New Testament you have all of these passages that describe how baptism has been done away with in the New Testament, the New Covenant, to become a part of the church, God's family. If you're from different nations, you don't have to get uh, circumcised. The sign that has replaced that is baptism. That baptism is now the sign and seal of the New Covenant. And there are passages in Scripture that speak of circumcision and baptism very closely. And so you could see where they would make that connection. Yeah. But that baptism is, again, conferred, or that that rite is done to infants. 
to um, people who very clearly can't have personal faith themselves. It's an expression of their parents' faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those two, they're very different. Um, like the Catholic teaching and the Presbyterian Reformed teaching are very different. Um, at the same time, it is both both are doing it with infants. The sa- in the same way, in the, essentially. Yeah, through sprinkling primarily. It's hard to dunk a to dunk <laughs> I've an seen infant. it. There are videos. There are there some are, horrifying videos. Yes, it is a practice. It, it is a practice. By the heel, and it's very oh, quick, but sorry. I can't imagine being a parent <laughs> watching that. That's tough. Um, but anyways, the, the, and those traditions, they have that as their practice in terms of baptism. And the way that we would come from Scripture and where we, we would appeal to is that baptism is a symbol of the believer's faith. Hmm. Baptism is not a means of saving grace. Uh, we do not believe that um, anything is necessary for salvation outside of faith in Christ, right? And that faith, it looks like repentance, surrender to God. That that faith is the way in which we receive God's grace of salvation. And then we would also say that it, baptism is not what replaces circumcision mm. um, that we would argue from scripture that they're not a one-to-one thing. And I, mm. even as I say this, I have, you know, Presbyterian friends that their faces are in my heads right now. And I'm thinking about them. <laughs> and what's good about this is I think that we should be able to have these types yeah. of conversations. And I think there's two errors. Either the error is we fight about it and get disunified over it mm-hmm. and make things that are secondary primary. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's an error. But I also think an error is to diminish our convictions mm. and to kind of make light of mm-hmm. the way that we've come to this conclusion. And I, I think you can do both. I think you can show love, unity, grace, partnership in the gospel mm-hmm. while holding fast to our convictions of what we believe about baptism. And what's going to strengthen your conviction more than talking to someone who might disagree with you? Yes. Talking to someone and that learn, yeah, get, perfectly agrees with you, or they're learning yeah, from you. Right. That That's not necessarily helpful. Yes. But talking through it with someone that might have a deferring point of view, yeah, it's helpful, because you're hearing their side of it, you're having to defend your side of it, Yeah. and it's healthy. You can yeah. still be unified and disagree with yes. something. Which is a lost art in our day, so yes. it's a good opportunity, I think, for Christians yeah. to talk through that. Um, so where we come from, I can try and do like a couple minute overview of why we practice what we call believer baptism, Hmm. uh, why we practice that here at City Rev, where we come to those conclusions biblically. A couple of passages of scripture, just to give a quick flyby. First of all, John the Baptist is baptizing people at the beginning of Jesus's ministry. It's an all of the Gospels, Jesus' mm-hmm. baptism is a significant moment in his life. It's one of the few things you can add in the feeding of the 5,000, you can add in his death and resurrection, right? These couple of key stories that are present in every Gospel. All four Gospels, right? yeah. So his baptism is a significant moment. And in, in those passages, John the Baptist, John the Baptist, he is uh, officiating or he's calling for people to be baptized uh, as a as an expression of their repentance, hmm. specifically. Mm-hmm. And he calls out, in one of the Gospels, he calls out, or, or a couple of them, he calls out the Pharisees, says, you're a brood of vipers, while he's baptizing people, his baptism of repentance. And he says, you need to repent. Hmm. You need to, you know. So, in other words, John's baptism 
the, a baptism of repentance required faith. Hmm. So even in John's baptism, which is not the full picture of the baptism that we experience after Jesus' death and resurrection, but John's baptism is kind of this prototype hmm. for what we're called to do. And the people who are being baptized in John's baptism are believers. They're repented. You know, they're, they come to John uh, with hearts of repentance. So that, mm. that's the first one. Second is the Great Commission. Great Commission says, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, mm. teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. And I think the order is significant. Mm. The order is significant. Make disciples. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, kind of language that Jesus is using all throughout the Gospel of Matthew about follow me. It's that initial commitment of discipleship. Make disciples and the ongoing development. Be baptized, right? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. Mm. So the Great Commission, again, that's not like a airtight argument. There are ways you could argue against that. But I would say that presents a pattern that we see continue into the book of Acts. Mm. So Acts 2, Peter preaches a sermon at Pentecost. And his after he talks about the resurrection... He says basically to the people there in Jerusalem, you killed God. You know, he mm-hmm. like calls them out. Yeah. And he says the invitation is repent and be baptized, be baptized. for yeah. the forgiveness of your sins. And so baptism is linked to repentance, which is the response of faith. Repentance is this uh, word that describes a change of heart, attitude, mind, a turning away from self and turning to God. And um, you see, it's interesting, repentance and faith in the book of Acts are used in sometimes interchangeably, in parallel, uh, although they have different nuances to them. And so in Acts 2, repent and be baptized, that day 3,000 believers are baptized Mm. that day. Uh, Acts chapter 18, verse 8. Maybe you could read this, Josh. Acts 18, verse 8, this is describing Paul's ministry in Corinth. It's a helpful passage as well. Sure. Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord together with his entire household, and many of the Corinthians hearing Paul believed and were baptized. Here's why this is, I think, a helpful and significant passage. One of the one of the uh, ways that people who come from a more Presbyterian background, or even from a Catholic position on baptism, to argue for baptizing infants will point to the household baptisms that are described in the book of Acts. So the Philippian jailer, for example, Mm -hmm. it says that the jailer was baptized and his whole household as well. And you have to admit this, you know, if you're coming from that position, there's nowhere in the scripture where it says there were infants in the household. Um, So for example, you know, I have friends who have kids, so I happen to have a two-year-old but I have friends, and we all know people who have 10-year-olds and 12-year-olds and 13-year-olds mm-hmm. um, that are fully capable of having faith. Making that right? decision. So there are some who come and look at these passages that say all of these households were baptized and say, well, you see, they were clearly baptizing children. Well, and the way they viewed households back in the ancient times was very different, too. Correct. Yeah, households included if you had slaves. Households included Mm -hmm. if you had adult children. Mm -hmm. Um, And so all all of that to say, what's, I think, instructive of Acts 18.8 is the language that this man named Crispus, who was the ruler of the synagogue, a very influential man, he believed in Jesus, and it says, together with his entire household— so his entire household came to faith. And mm-hmm. then the next sentence, 
and many of the Corinthians hearing Paul believed and were baptized. So even in these passages where it describes the household being baptized, there's no indication in the text that would lead you to believe it's impossible for the people in the household to also have believed. Mm -hmm. Just like it says here, Crispus believed and his household as well. And so, uh, again, all, all of these passages left alone, I don't think by themselves are enough to build a case for any of these positions. Mm -hmm. uh, but together, I think biblically, you start to see a picture coming together mm -hmm. that baptism is something that is for believers. It is a proclamation of a believer's faith in Jesus. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that's great. So you're basically saying to summarize that we would say our view of baptism is a symbol of the believer's faith. Yes. Rather than a, a means of saving grace mm -hmm. or a sign of the covenant, covenant which was right. designed to replace circumcision as many Presbyterians, Presbyterians believe. Sure. It's simply a symbol of the believer's faith in Jesus, to quote our last yeah. uh, podcast, an outward symbol of an inward faith. Yes. Yeah. And so then to go back to the original question, if you were baptized as an infant, should you be baptized uh, as a believer later on in your life? What we would encourage you to do is to uh, be baptized as an expression of your faith since mm -hmm. coming to know Jesus as your Lord. If you were baptized as an infant, that might have been an expression of your parents' faith, but that, that really you know, as a one-year-old or however old, however old you were, days old, weeks old, you, you did not have an awareness of the gospel, your need for, your need for salvation, mm -hmm. of what Christ has done for you. And what's so powerful about baptism is when you experience the act as someone who understands its significance, it is so powerful. It's such a mm. Significant moment as a believer in Jesus to walk into those waters, to step into those waters and profess, yes, I believe in the Lord Jesus, to go underneath the water, be raised up out of the water uh, as a picture of what Christ has done in your life. It is a powerful, powerful symbol you can always remember back to, always draw strength from uh, as an image of your union with Christ and what he's done for That's you. Good. So I would encourage that person. Um, who was baptized as an infant and later on in life, whether as a teen or as an adult, you really committed yourself to Christ. You really put your faith in Christ then as a, an adult or later on in life. I would say that you're to be baptized just as Crispus was after he believed and just after the 3000 in Acts 2 were baptized after they believed. Just, after, just as Paul, after he was um, converted to Christ, as he was baptized, um, I would encourage that person to to take that step of baptism as a way to declare their faith. That's fantastic. Well, thank you, Pastor Justin. Excellent job as always. Hey, this has been another episode of the City Rev Life podcast. We'll catch you guys next week. Thank you so much for listening to the City Rev Life podcast. Feel free to subscribe or leave a rate and review. If you want more content or additional resources, head to cityrev.org or download our app. We hope you have a great day.